Welcome to It's a Lock, the industry leader in delivering world-class news, views, and analysis related to sports and sports betting. We promise to stuff every episode with square takes, losing streaks, kisses of death, and good old-fashioned degeneracy. I'm your host, Big Bet Brent, and with me, as always, is Mad Money Mike. All right, welcome to It's a Lock Podcast, Season 2, Episode Number 33. I'm your host, Big Bet Brent. And today we're going to briefly touch on some NFL news and notes before we spend the majority of the episode looking at college basketball. We are in the middle of the conference tournaments and selection Sunday is this coming Sunday. And then you get the main NCAA men's tournament starting up a little bit later next week. So let's get right into it, guys. Starting with NFL news and notes, the combine just wrapped up this past week and there are some real freaks out there. Did you guys see the Georgia tackle Jordan Davis, a 341-pound nose tackle, 6 feet 7 inches? He ran a 4.78 40-yard dash. Now, this is impressive on multiple levels. Several first-round draft picks historically have been 20 or 30 pounds lighter and have ran 40 times, three-tenths of a second slower. So they weigh like 310 pounds. And they ran a 5-1, and they still got drafted in the first round. So the fact that this guy is 30 pounds heavier, three-tenths of a second slow, uh, faster, this is three-tenths of a second doesn't seem like a lot of time. But in NFL combine, NFL speak, that is an eternity. So this man is blazing fast. And then the question I'm asking is, what is your fastest 40 time? And I'm, uh, I'll admit it. I... In, in high school, I played basketball and we ran 40s one time. I had I had no idea this was coming. It was just like, all right, everybody get out, get in the line and run it. I ran a 5'8 40-yard dash. So curious to hear from you guys what y'all's 40-yard dash time was. And I, I don't think anyone, not many listeners are beating a 4'7'8. But just how impressive is Jordan Davis, 341 pounds, clocking in that fast. The other interesting news and note, I guess, from the NFL Combine was all of the late time changes on 40 times. So I forget the gentleman's name, but he ran, I think it was a 4-2-1 40-yard dash, which would have been a Combine record. But then they came back many hours later and changed it to a 4-2-8, which is seven hundredths of a second, which, of course, is very not a big change, but when you're talking combines and you're talking tenths of a second, they mean a big, they, they mean a lot. It's it's a big change. It was no longer a combine record. And I mean, the guy is still freaky fast, but um, this wasn't, this is just one instance of where this happened. Another guy's combine time changed by over a tenth of a second. So, I mean, it's the year 2022. It, I do not understand with all the technology that we have at our disposal I mean, I think we can shoot a laser and like pinpoint a pimple on the moon. Why is it taking three hours to understand how fast people are running 40 yards? I mean, this it, it's it's pretty understood. This isn't like a do-it-yourself track. I mean, they run from here to here. There's not much variance. So, dear NFL, 
time to uh, time to invest in uh, some of this technology that uh, apparently you're using elsewhere. So, um, so yeah, combine just wrapped up. Just taking a look ahead at the the NFL schedule. Franchise franchise tags are being issued this week. Uh, free agency starts next week on March 16th, and then the NFL draft is April 28th. So, a couple of franchise tags of note: the Cowboys franchise tag tight end Dalton Schultz. The Buccaneers tagged wide receiver Chris Godwin, and the Packers tagged wide receiver Devontae Adams, which is a good lead-in to the Aaron Rodgers re-signing with the Packers, $50 million a year for four years. I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers was stating, you know, the Packers need to take care. He cares about his teammates. You know, don't you try and uh, franchise tag Devontae Adams. Well, it happened, and... All of the drama about where Aaron Rodgers was going to go. He was so pissed with the Packers. I mean, we heard about this for over a year, right? I mean, this it, it really has been over a year, like that long. So in all of that, he ends up re-signing back with the Packers. Um, I mean, clearly he's getting he's the highest paid player ever. So clearly he's getting his his value, right? So I, I can't blame a person for getting what they are worth. Uh, Fifty million dollars a year, that is some cheddar. I, I can't help but wonder how much money he makes outside of football, you know, between all the, the commercials, I think it's all state. Um, and clearly the jeopardy, the, the jeopardy, uh, guest hosting. So, I mean, is it really worth the extra, you know, $10 million a year to most likely now have hamstrung the Packers organization. So you will not have as much talent around you. I mean, when I think about the other greats, you know, of course, Tom Brady comes to mind. He gave his team, a little bit of a sweetheart deal. And, and most great quarterbacks do that understand that there's only so much money that can go around and the, what you lose on that contract, you know, headline size, you more than make up for with, you know, team success and the, in the associated media success that goes with it. So, um, part of me, yeah, I'll, ne- I'll never argue or say he made the wrong decision, but at the end of the day, if, he truly is a competitor that is thinking what's the best opportunity or what's the best way for me to win. I I can't help but think that he should have, you know, not uh, asked for so much from the Packers. I will say though, that from like a division and conference and team standpoint, um, staying with the Packers was uh, definitely the right call as opposed to most other divisions, um, particularly considering the AFC versus the NFC. So anyway, the main question being, is this the end of the Aaron Rodgers media marathon? I freaking hope so. I am crossing my fingers. Um, sadly, I do not expect that to be the case. Who knows what's going to happen next? But with uh, how things have been going up there in uh, Lambeau, you can't help but think that something else is going to go wrong and he'll get back right in, right in the spotlight. I did kind of find it interesting that Aaron Rodgers re-signed with uh, the Packers. And it was either the same day or the next day that the bombshell trade between the Seahawks with Russell Wilson getting traded to the Broncos. That news came out. So kind of kind of love to see that. But yeah, this was a massive deal. Russell Wilson from the Seahawks gets traded to the Broncos. Two first round picks, two second round picks, a fifth round pick. And they also get the, the Seahawks also get Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant and defensive lineman Shelby Harris. So the, the big question here is who won this trade, right? And now my answer to this question, I, 
don't think that the Broncos, if I were the Broncos, I would not have given up this much draft capital, particularly for, excuse me, Russell Wilson, who is turning 34 this November. Listen, I love Russell Wilson. I think he's a great quarterback. He, he did exceptionally well in Seattle without an offensive line. And this isn't a, a knock on Russell Wilson. It's just his play, his current play. It's more so around the bigger picture, all of those draft picks that the Broncos gave up for a quarterback who's 34 this November. I really would have only done that for somebody much younger, you know, someone that I can guarantee, you know, a ten, I would want to sign a Pat Mahomes type contract with this. Uh, if I were to trade for all this, uh, you know, all this just to get a new quarterback. So um, not a knock against Russell Wilson. I also think the Broncos are, are really in a tough division there. They're still not the favorites to win that uh, division. The Chiefs, I believe, are still like minus 110 to win that division. Of course, you got the Chargers and uh, the Raiders there who, uh, you know, all, all, uh, all, you know, fighting teams there. No, no knockovers, uh, quite contrary to uh, the NFC North with the Packers. Um, Aaron Rodgers got a much easier, either easier path to winning the division and therefore uh, most likely a home playoff. Oh, no, definitely a home playoff game. So. The other news that broke uh, in the quarterback uh, carousel, I think this came out just today. Carson Wentz got traded to the Washington Commanders after one season with the Colts. And the Commanders had to give up a 22 third-round pick, a 23 third-round pick, which was a conditional, so it could improve to a second-round pick if Carson Wentz plays uh, 70% of the snaps next season. And the teams are swapping their 22 second-round picks, so the Colts essentially move up five spots. So who won this uh, Who won this trade? I, I think this is a much more reasonable trade for the commanders. Um, clearly not a, uh, you know, a King's ransom for Carson Wentz, uh, a, a lower caliber quarterback. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. Um, however, I, I do think uh, he's got a lot of opportunity you know, coming off of the injury from a couple of years ago. Um, I, I like this play for Washington. I think maybe this was a win-win for both teams. Um, you know, maybe a change of scenery, uh, maybe a new quarterbacks coach could help him make better decisions, not hang on to the ball too long, not make that bad couple of turnovers, which ended up costing the Colts. So um, I, I think there is such a thing as a win-win trade uh, in the NFL, and I think this is a good uh, opportunity or a good uh, example of that uh, when you compare this to what the Colts traded last year from the Eagles to get the Eagles is uh, slightly less uh, this year than that trade last year. Um, the Colts had to give up a second to first conditional, which did end up being a first round pick and a third round pick. The thing I thought was interesting was the Super Bowl odds for the Washington Commanders were 60 to one before this news broke, and they dropped to 75 to one after this new news dro- uh, news broke. So um, my understanding is, or my take on this is that the books had kind of priced in. Uh, the commanders getting a, a big name like Russell Wilson. So when uh, Carson Wentz, uh, that trade got announced, it was, I guess the, maybe the books aren't too high on Carson Wentz, but I think he's got potential. Um, he, you know, sitting in the, you know, as a New Orleans Saints fan, would I take Carson Wentz? Yes, I would in a heartbeat. I would take Carson Wentz over Jameis Winston. Um, and, and wouldn't think twice about it. It'd be nice to kind of clear up, uh, clear up things there. So. All right, that's NFL news and notes. Let's switch gears and talk some college basketball. The one big uh, big story from the past week I want to talk about is Coach K's last home game for Duke was versus UNC. Tickets 
were going for to get in the door was $3,000 a ticket. Average ticket price was $6,000. And I saw a ticket was for sale for, I think it was $90,000. I don't know if that ticket sold or not, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the Duke fans paid thousands of dollars to, and, and Duke was 11 and a half point favorites. They got to watch them get upset, lose outright at home to the uh, you know UNC Tar Heels. So they lost by 13 points, 94 to 81. So that was quite a route, not what the, the Duke crazies were expecting. So I did, uh, you know, being a huge Seinfeld fan, I did see Jerry Seinfeld and Adam Silver in the audience, which I thought was great. I also thought it was great how Jerry Seinfeld was wearing earplugs. I love it. He's at the age and he's, uh, you know, at the, the state of his life and his career that He's doing what he wants to do, and he doesn't care what anybody else thinks. Uh, so I thought I uh, thought that was really funny. Uh, the question I have is: Are you buying into Coach K's post-game speech? He came out, gave an impromptu, um, unscheduled, kind of you know, apologetic speech, and then he ended it saying like, "This season is not over." Almost like you know he was going to use this to motivate them and you know watch out for them in the upcoming you know, ACC conference tournament and, you know, NCAA men's, uh, you know, main tournament. So do you believe that, or do you think that, you know, this is, uh, kind of the beginning of the end for Duke, I guess, uh, and coach K considering his last season. So, uh, something to keep an eye out for. All right. Yeah. Let's talk about college basketball conference tournaments. So I'm recording this on Wednesday night, March 9th. So conference tournaments are underway. The, the main conference tournaments are, are underway as of yesterday and today. I think the last ones are kicking off today. And they're all going to wrap up on Saturday because Selection Sunday is on this Sunday. And there are 32 automatic bids from these conference tournaments and 32 at-large bids, which are many of them key in on how teams have uh, you know finished out the conference tournament. So, a lot of moving parts and pieces you know, with the bracketology piece for the main the main tournament that's uh, selected on Sunday. And a lot of teams are fighting for their tournament life. And so that's something that, um, as a better, you're definitely going to want to keep, keep your eye out on. For example, a team that really doesn't have much to play for versus a team that is a win and get in, you know, either essentially or literally based on, you know, the uh, automatic bid for winning. So. That's uh, something you want to keep an eye out for. So, yeah, let's uh, we're going to talk about the four main or what I consider the four main uh, conference tournaments, SEC tournament, Big Ten tournament, Big 12 and the ACC tournament. All right. So definitely want to start by giving a shout out to David Cobb and an excellent article on CBS Sports that really helps break down and view the different the different conference tournaments and kind of you know what to look out for so really uh, appreciate uh, david cobb putting this together i'll be sure to retweet this so guys if uh, you haven't seen it yet be sure to check it out we're going to start with the acc tournament where duke is the clear favorite to take this one home clearly the bookmakers are expecting a big bounce back based on that uh, you know carolina tar heels loss that we just talked about they're currently one minus 125 favorites so they they are straight up favorites to win the entire acc tournament so a couple things you're going to want to watch out for here are there are quite a few teams that have big reasons, you know, particularly, you know, the the, the main NCAA tournament. Uh, so they're motivated. And some of those teams are Virginia, Virginia Tech, 
We just talked about uh, North Carolina and Miami. So uh, the the Blue Devils are a lock to get into the tournament, uh, but you're going to want to want to watch out for those other teams and ch- taking a look at some of those odds there. Tar Heels plus 550. And also don't forget about a couple of long shots. Last year, Florida State Seminoles played, I believe they played the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. I know the Yellow Jackets won, um, and they're uh, plus 12,500. So I know I got them last year at 25 to 1. So this is, what's that, 125 to 1. So maybe worth a sprinkle there. Florida State Seminoles, you know, shout out to Mad Money Mike. 60 to 1 also may be worth a sprinkle. They uh, they know how to play big games. They made it to the finals last year. So a couple of interesting storylines in the ACC. All right, let's move to the Big Ten tournament, which had some crazy action to close out league play, including a Wisconsin outright loss to last place Nebraska. So Wisconsin was in the catbird seat to win the league title, you know, the season, the season win um, and be first, uh, first seed for the tournament, the conference tournament, but they lose outright to last place, Nebraska. So Illinois locks up the one seed for the tournament draw after a dramatic win over Iowa. So a couple of front runners here between Purdue, uh, Illinois and Iowa and Wisconsin, their odds actually dropped to plus 700 here. So um, a lot of different teams could take, take home the big 10 tournament. I uh, definitely want to stay tuned and watch this one. And another interesting game to note will be the number nine seed Hoosiers and the number eight seed Wolverines be squaring off in a second round game on Thursday. Also, you're going to want to keep an eye out. Michigan, Rutgers, and Indiana are on the bubble. So might be worth a sprinkle on these teams to do well, potentially take home the Big Ten, Big Ten tournament title because whether or not they continue to dance or they make the big dance, may come down to how far they do here. So taking a look at the odds, let's see what we have here. Michigan, Michigan Wolverines plus 1,200. Rutgers plus 3,500. And Indiana Hoosiers plus 2,500. So, all right, moving on to the Big 12. Now, this is the conference that, once again, was the strongest conference in the entire college basketball, all 25 conferences. And this is actually, I believe, the seventh out of the last nine seasons where they've come home with this qualification for for whatever it's worth. But uh, yeah, we've got a couple of front runners here, Baylor Bears and Kansas Jayhawks, both right around plus 200 favorites. Don't sleep on Texas Tech Red Raiders. Um, got a good uh, tip from Mac Daddy Betts. Shout out to Mac Daddy Betts a couple of uh, pods ago. Uh, the strong defense and the, the seasoned veterans on the team, a lot of juniors and seniors, they're showing at plus 300. So th- this, uh, this Big 12, Clearly has a lot of parity and a lot of strong teams. In fact, it looks like they have six teams that'll make the you know the the main tournament. So you uh, you may want to stay away from the locks, and if anything here, maybe look for a long shot just based on uh, the strength of uh, even the lower level t- uh, teams in here. All right, and closing it out with the SEC tournament. This is another strong conference. The top six seeds in the SEC as well are also projected to make the NCAA main tournament. Uh, something you're going to want to watch out for here is the number eight seed Texas A&M, excuse me, and the number nine seed Florida Gators are both somewhat bubble teams and they play each other in Thursday. So that'd be tomorrow's game. Both of these teams need to win and need to also then upset Auburn. So that might be a good uh, single game bet once uh, you know the lines come out for that game, which would likely be on Friday. 
And of course, LSU Tigers plus 1,000. Will Wade, love what he's doing with that team. Might be worth a sprinkle there. But yeah, going back to the Gators and the Aggies, I'm showing the Gators here plus 4,000 and the Aggies at plus 7,500. The favorites here, Kentucky Wildcats plus 190 and the Auburn Tigers plus 260. All right, that's going to wrap up our college basketball conference tournament preview. There is no lock of the week this week, gang. I do want to give a shout out, uh, another shout out, Mac Daddy Betts. Last pod picked Tennessee over Auburn against the spread, which was a winner. They were actually three and a half point favorites, uh, but they still covered it. I think they won by five. So we're going to close it out with Diaper Dad Diaries. Over here, Kramer, he's 19 months old. He's running around. He's getting into so much trouble. Uh, we've been having to use timers and timeouts more and more frequently. He doesn't want to stay seated. I don't know. I don't know if they're feeding him sugar or what, but this kid is like a walking five-hour energy drink. Chittam took him to a volleyball tournament yesterday, and we we already had a sunburn scare, so we knew to lather him up. But I guess you know something happened. He was rubbing his eyes, but he looks like a raccoon. He just got a tiny bit of sunburn directly under his eyes. And there is now a, a live kid raccoon running around the house. The other, the other interesting uh, or funny tidbit was trying to teach him to play soccer. We've got the, the soccer practices, which is the glorified daycare. I think I talked about it on an earlier pod. But doing it with him here at the house as well has been a lot of fun. Teaching him the no hands bit, I think it's more funny to him than actual like, oh, this is how to play the game. Because he loves playing soccer and he loves shouting no hands. But every time I kick in the ball, He'll be shouting no hands while he picks up the ball. So I don't know if he, he knows. No, he knows what no means. He knows what his hands are. He knows what his feet are. But for some reason, anytime a ball is coming at him, the first thing he does is shout no hands while he is picking the ball up with his hands. So we'll keep working at it. Uh, he's got uh, he's still got the practices once a week on uh, Saturdays and, and swimming practice is starting up shortly soon. So. That's not something he's going to be able to mess around with. So if uh, if we if we need him to hold his breath underwater, that's uh, not something you can fake. So we'll have to see how that goes. All right, guys. Selection Sunday. This Sunday, March 13th, we'll be looking to get a pod out the next couple of days after that for a massive March Madness main episode. We'll hopefully be getting Mac Daddy Betts back. If not, we'll be looking for a guest host. So more to come on that. Stay tuned for that. Uh, close things out. Thank you guys so much for all the support. Please shoot us an email. It's a lock podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our Twitter page at it's a lock podcast. No apostrophes in any of those. We will see you next week with a NCAA men's college basketball main tournament preview. All right. That'll do it for season two, episode number 33. It's a lock. Peace. That'll do it for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. On behalf of Mad Money Mike, this is Big Bet Brent saying so long and see you next week.